Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I'm here with Jason Yeager, owner, founder of Yeager Partners. How are you today, Jason? Hello, Josh. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I wanted to take some time to talk to you because you're at ground zero for what's happening right now with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you obviously have had a very successful company long before this, but now we're seeing some new stresses on commercial real estate, pressures on the downtown. And so I wanted to just sort of talk to you about what you're seeing and what kind of uh, impact is this going to have long term. So let's talk about State Street and commercial real estate. What is the big impact right now and where are we headed when we sort of try to figure out where all this is going? Well, that's a great question. And it's it's a new world out there. I mean, it's, it's truly... The world has changed so much with COVID-19 and uh, State Street specifically, you know, we manage a group of, of properties in the 600 block and, uh, you know, businesses are closed, tenants can't be open. Um, there's some changes that are happening now, but this is a time where, you know, landlords and tenants have to really partner with each other to, you know, work out creative deals to, to get through this time because it's, it's, it's affecting everybody. We had pressures on the downtown. Everybody was talking about what was going on with State Street and Santa Barbara before COVID-19. Of course, we had that Cosmont report that the city paid $75,000 for. Lots of recommendations for how to sort of revitalize the downtown. How much worse of a situation are we in right now because of what we're dealing with? Well, we're, we're in a worse situation because of major, you know, there's major infrastructure problems at the city. So when, if you look back, talking about the Cosmont report, we had an excellent economy pre-COVID as far as you look at on a global level. But some, for some reason, State Street as a whole in the retail was still not working. So there's a group of uh, real estate professionals who form a group called the Santa Barbara Leadership Group that have been helping really aid the city in kind of what to do, what changes need to be done downtown to help reposition. And essentially everything that came out of the Cosmont report has what our group has been saying for years. So we were taken back that the city spent so much money on this report when the community, the real estate community has been sharing the same information for so many years. Yeah, I think I wrote some, when I wrote the stories about that, I sort of, pointed out that there was very little new information in that report. It was more compiling a lot of the stuff that people such as yourself have been saying for a long time leading up to that. Do you have an optimistic perspective about where things are headed? Are you one of these types of people who are saying, oh, we're never going to be the same. We're never going to recover. When you walk around and you sort of see the the businesses leaving, the vacant storefronts. Help me understand from somebody who's in the know on these things, what, where do you think we're at with all this? Well, I, I'm, I'm definitely on the very optimist side of just in real estate in Santa Barbara. And the, and the reasons for that are you just take our, lo our location with the Pacific Ocean, the mountains, what we have to offer as the American Riviera is what we're, we're called, you know, with what's going on in COVID, I think we're gonna see a lot more travel locally versus internationally. And a lot of people from LA and you know San Francisco wanna get away. And Santa Barbara could be a great great place for you know hotels, entertainment, and just you know 
the beach life. And, and that's something that we have that a lot of places uh, don't have. How long is this going to take? We're talking about a measured reopening right now. Santa Barbara County would like to separate itself from what's happening at the Lompoc prison because that may slow down the county's rate of re reopening. What are you sort of thinking in terms of a timeline for how fast things might be able to pick up again? Well, I think things could pick up relatively fast, but the, the bigger question is, is how the, the tenants that have gone through this time and lost so much revenue and you know had to go into debt for some people, it's gonna be so much more difficult for them to you know reopen. So there's gonna be a year or two of kind of phasing back into the economy to get, I think, for things to get back to where uh, they once were. Now, we know that there are people who say, I can't pay for what my lease is with my property owner. I don't have any clients. I don't have any business. And property owners, of course, are probably about as flexible as they can be. Can you help me understand that situation that happens? What are the considerations that property owners have to make when it comes to deciding, do I work with this person? If this person leaves, is that worse? Uh, what's sort of the, the calculus from a property owner's perspective? That's a great question. I mean, really the core of it is it's, it's, a, it's a partnership. A, a vacant building is not good for the city. It's not good for the landlord. And it really doesn't help uh, our town as a whole. So the considerations that go into it are, you know, the ownerships typically have owned this building for many years. There could be older in age and rely on this income. The tenants, you know, they don't know having business, so they can't pay rent. So it's this give and take and try to be creative to kind of bridge the gap of what will work, what change, what can we changes can we make now, maybe defer rent into the future to help you know, tenants get back on their feet so that they can have a thriving business again. Are landlords property owners, are they the bad guy? You know, you, you hear that all the time, is that the people who own the properties are the ones who should be reducing the rents so that you can have some of these small businesses on State Street. Educate us on, are the landlords responsible for what we're seeing on State Street, or is it more complicated? It's much more complicated. I would even go to say that landlords, I personally see, are the good guys. I mean, they're out there maintaining their buildings, taking on all these costs, permitting risks with, with the city. They're, th what they do and offer to tenants behind the scenes, a lot of people don't see with, with concessions and, and what the courting process is to bring tenants in. So. I, I see them as good guys, and I think they generally as a whole want to help tenants, want to help do what's right for Santa Barbara, and most of them are local. So I think, I think they're, uh, they're really trying to help out during this time. Tell me a little bit about your company and how you fit sort of into the puzzle here of all these property interests and companies in Santa Barbara. Sure. So um, I've been in commercial real estate for about 20 years now. Um, I was previously at uh, Coldwell Banker. It was a brokerage firm. Um, all of this is in just commercial real estate, not residential. And then from there, I uh, went on to Radius Group uh, Commercial Real Estate, where I was uh, partnered up with um, Scott Glenn of Radius Group. He's a great mentor and really helped me uh, get into the Santa Barbara market. 
And from there, uh, just parlayed it into uh, meeting some wonderful clients such as, you know, Richard Birdie and Tom Foley, among others, and uh, have been doing, we do commercial property management, we do leasing, brokerage, and then a big part of our business is what's called syndication, where we raise money to buy commercial properties uh, just from Carpinteria to Goleta. So that's really our niche, which is different than, you know, the haze and the radius of Santa Barbara. So we have a special little niche and it's all local and most of our investors are local. And, um, you know, we have a, we have a, a vested interest in seeing Santa Barbara continue the, the way it has, but also kind of bring a new creative element to it. So you sort of do everything from A to B once you work with your investors. So that means you're working with City Hall and the planning department. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of perspectives about planning and, and development. What do you see on the ground? Is the city the bad guy? <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's definitely some hard workers at the city. George Buell, Andrew Stuffler, they, they are working hard. I talk to Kathy Murillo uh, frequently. I know that they're trying to do the best that they can given the circumstances, but the problem is, is the process is broken completely. I mean, the zoning and the planning department, you know, they typically don't communicate. I like to call it as two separate islands. And, um, you know, there's just this time during COVID and, and the city should be really looking at how to simplify the process. How can they start getting the attention of national tenants back to Santa Barbara? Because guess what? Our, our reputation is we have really, we have a we're beautiful town. Our demographics are really low, but our permitting process just makes it too complicated and it deters big tenants in our little marketplace. Now that Nordstrom's is leaving, that announced as of August, you know, Macy's vacated. Now's the time more than ever that they need to really, really change things. We've been talking about the sluggish pace of the community development department for a long time, I mean, years. What's the problem? Why, why can't these issues be fixed sooner? I mean, you just said all these names, they're good people, they're working hard. What's the holdup? I think there's just so many different layers they have, you know, the, with the handicap accessibility, the energy efficiency, which is called Title 24, there's coastal commissions, there's layers on top of layers on top of layers that just, it just kind of makes it collapse on themselves. They just don't, they need to have very few people that are knowledgeable to make these decisions and, you know, reduce the permitting timeframes. A commercial project, for example, if you want to build a hotel, you know, that's zoned properly, can take up to three to four, five years of just the permitting process. So how do you, how does somebody looking at our town go, oh, I, I really want to start doing business there versus going outside where, you know, they'll give you a permit w within a three to six month period if it's done properly. What are some of the properties that you have been involved with in the downtown that people might be familiar with? And maybe you could share some of your, your stories of things taking way longer than they should have. Sure. Um, I think a prime example is uh, the iconic El Centro building, which is on 19 to 31 East Cannon Perdido Street. That was acquired in 2017, the group of investors. And as we sit today in 2020, we still... 
uh, are not completed. We actually just got our permit this last week. Hmm. So we're still doing construction, you know, and, and all we're doing is bringing an old historic building and bringing it back to its original use. We're just updating everything. So you, that's a, just a little taste of why, you know, you just, you have to ha have like a marathon mentality to want to do projects in town. Another one is uh, the Church of Scientology. That was a recent uh, acquisition uh, with, a, with a partner of mine. And um, we're planning to do a 47-room uh, hotel there, which uh, the property was built as a hotel, and we're restoring it to its original use. What's it like inside there? I've been walking by that building for a long time, and I never see anybody there. I see the Scientology signs. And I always sort of, of course, you know, I have this mysterious understanding of, of, of that whole industry or that whole business. And so I'm just like, what is, what is it? Is it like a hotel in there or what is it? Yeah, I mean, it literally is, uh, I think they acquired it in 1981 and it before that was a hotel and they kept it as its same use. So when you go in there, it's got this grand staircase. It has all the hotel rooms, these old, you know, telephone booths in there. And it's really an old hotel. So what's that going to be like trying to turn that back into a modern hotel? How many years is that going to take? <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, and I have to give some kudos to the city. They have been wonderful for this project. And I think um, a big reason is State Street. They do want to reposition it. And hotels bring, uh, it's called TOT tax, transient occupancy tax, where the city gets a, a big piece of the monthly revenue. Yeah. But they're very motivated, and I have seen specifically in this project, um, the city officials have been reaching out to us, the mayor. Every, there's been a lot of uh, positive outreach because they want to they want to help us. So this this project in particular, we're really excited about. Now we talked about the community development department. What about the elected leaders? Uh, we we see turnover. We see new people. People come and go depending on what district they're in. What do you think of the leadership at City Hall? Do you think that, I mean, are you happy with your, your elected leaders or how, do they understand the challenges that you have to deal with on a daily basis? I don't think as far as commercial real estate goes, I think they're very knowledgeable in many areas. I think commercial real estate, which is such a big portion of Santa Barbara, is lacking considerably. I think that they don't listen to a big, we, we, our group, Santa Barbara Leadership Group, is compiled of a whole bunch of the largest commercial real estate owners, and we're constantly trying to be available and help them, but we feel a lot of times that our voices fall on deaf ears. I think they generally want to help, but the problem is so big, they don't know where to start. So what do you think of what we're dealing with right now? We have lots of pressure from businesses wanting to reopen. They're saying our cases are going down uh, from a, a COVID-19 positive perspective. Hospitalizations are down. There's plenty of space at Cottage Health. They're looking at sort of the trends going down and they're saying, hey, why, why can't we reopen when um, we're, we've all been doing a great job here with social distancing? And as somebody like you who, who benefits, obviously, from businesses being successful downtown, what do you think of this, this puzzle? Should Santa Barbara be able to sort of open up a little bit sooner than maybe some other county in California? 
it's it's my opinion that we should we should be open for business now. I don't think there's any reason why they're talking about phasing. And I think, relatively speaking, we have a lot of low cases as far as COVID nineteen. But we need to get our city open. I mean, our we our city cannot continue with people pent up in their houses. And there's just a general go down to the beach. People are out and about. They want to get back, return back to work and and start you know doing what they love to do. What are you doing in your personal life? This thing has devastated everybody. I mean, before this started with, with me, you know, drop the kids off in the morning, go work, pick them up in the afternoon, and work a little bit in the evening, and sort of two people, two parents trying to manage all of that. We had sort of things down in a routine. Ever since this shelter in place happened, we're home all the time and two kids are Zooming classes, and it's it's not the same. Like, there's no way, no matter how great teachers are, there's no way that these students are learning the same as they would be in a classroom. And then as adults, you've got your own Zoom stuff that you're doing. Uh, so it's been, on one hand, really cool because you can spend more time with your family yeah. in the same house. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's difficult because now parents have become teachers to some degree, uh, trying to manage their children. And uh, we've had to readjust, you know, you can't go out to eat anymore, right? cooking more. <laughs> What's your life been like under all this? And tell me a little about your sort of family situation. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm married to uh, my beautiful bride. Her name's Tiffany. And uh, we have three kids, two girls and a boy. And before COVID-19, we were actually doing homeschooling. So when the whole COVID hit and the schools shut down, we still were impacted considerably, but we had the homeschool kind of uh, curriculum set up with her. I don't know why. We're ahead of the game a little bit. She never asked me to teach anything, but that's a whole whole different topic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I think just generally, you know, not being able to see friends and family, I mean, we're just, that's how we're wired to be, all of us, to be with people and and eating at home, it's it's a good good time to reflect on your marriage and your kids and being a father and how you can you know be better and, and kind of learn through this time of you know what do you want for the, the rest of this year if because it's going to look a lot, a lot different. Yeah. And so, where did you grow up? Did you uh, are you from Santa Barbara or how did you figure out that this was going to be the place you were going to be to? raise your uh, children and have your family and your business? Sure. Um, I grew up in Orange County until I was uh, 14 and then moved to, my, my family at the time, moved to Santa Barbara, or two, two brothers, and just the transition of coming from Orange County to Santa Barbara, I mean, I can still remember so vividly the ocean and, and the surfing life and the people, that small town mentality that I think Santa Barbara as a whole, when people live here, you, you get the taste of it and it's really hard to ever replace it. So I was hooked and wanted to do everything I could to, to come back here when, I, when the time was right. And you had said uh, your father was in commercial real estate as well. So what, uh, what is it about this industry that sort of lives within your blood? You know, yeah, my, my father was in commercial real estate. His name was Jay, and uh, my grandfather, his name was Layton. And uh, there's something about commercial real estate where you get to you know, interact with a lot of people. There's so many different aspects of commercial real estate, whether it's you know hotels, 
office, industrial, you can kind of choose, you know, what really excites you and, you know, dive into it. But it's, it kind of, if you like creativity, there, there's a lot of risk in it as well. So that's, it's not for the faint of heart, but, um, that's, that's all I really know. I wish, I wish, uh, you know, I, I looked at some other industries when I was younger, but sitting before you, I'm so glad I stuck with it because it's, I just love it. What sort of attitude do you have when it comes to working with tenants, when it comes to trying to help them stay in their spot? You know, you had said that nobody benefits when somebody leaves a space. How do you do that, but then still be able to collect the revenue that you need? Yeah, so with um, a lot of the tenants during this time, our message is very clear then that we're partners with you. Um, we've been deferring rents um, with retail tenants in particular. A lot of office tenants and industrial tenants, they don't have the same struggles as retail does. So when we're talking specifically about retail, we've been doing rent deferrals and sometimes it's case by case, but we've offered lease extensions in exchange for a few months of free rent. What are you seeing happening during all of this? Are you finding that some businesses are not being able to work out deals with their property owners? We saw that um, Forever 21 recently, um, well, looks like they packed up and they're leaving. And there's other smaller local businesses that have expressed some concern that maybe they're, they're not getting the same sort of flexibility with their landlords. Uh, what are you seeing as sort of the general tone of downtown and how people are working out these situations? I think there's uh, generally a lot of fear out there of what is it going to look like when I get back the, into my shop and, you know, they have maybe some debts that they were carrying and now it's just compounding. So I think you'll see businesses close for sure. And I think there'll be new businesses and there'll be new visionaries that come out of this that will fill in those gaps, but it's um, there's gonna be change. I think fast forwarding 10 years, we're gonna come out of this stronger, but for the next year or so, it's gonna be hard on a lot of these tenants. What do you think, there's some talk right now about closing parts of State Street, so we can create this sort of uh, pedestrian promenade sort of um, opportunity. We had the situation, it was a year ago, where the city actually closed part of State Street as sort of an experimental weekend. There's some talk right now that once restaurants are allowed to reopen, that they're going to have to have some social distancing, that people are going to have to be six feet apart. And as we know, those restaurants have said, our margins are slim. We, we can't afford to only have half the people come in here that we used to. So some of the talk, some of the compromise is, well, maybe the city should allow them to have some tables out on the sidewalk, even out in the middle of the street, so that it allows more spacing, more distance, and they're able to sort of increase uh, the number of people that they serve during this time, which of course would involve closing parts of State Street. Do you think, what do you think of that, which we've talked about right now? I think anything we can do at this time to be creative to help tenants we need to do i think I, i've encouraged uh, city officials to be get inspired from other cities that are seem to be doing well with their permitting and creative ideas san luis obispo's one uh nashville tennessee i just went out there recently they have a thriving downtown and you know they've they've got music venues coming in local artists 
there's so much that we can do to attract people to State Street, getting the locals to want to be encouraged to come downtown. And um, so, yeah, to your question, closing down parts of State Street for extra seats and, and walkability, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's only a plus that will draw people. Yeah. So what about Paseo Nuevo? Okay, so we know that uh, Macy's is long gone, and now Nordstrom recently has announced uh, the city and Paseo Nuevo have been negotiating this long-term lease, which actually did not include those two anchor tenants, but everything in the middle. What do you think of Paseo Nuevo in terms of how that development can be helpful in revitalizing downtown? Well, in my opinion, you know, the mall has had it's struggled for for many many years here, and now with Nordstrom's leaving, it's a it's it's a major problem. I think housing is is the key. Uh, you take it Nordstrom's for example. You know, if Nordstrom's isn't making it, what will work there? And there's very few tenants on a national level that would look at that store, um, but turning that into apartments, would, which would help feed people into the mall and on State Street, I think would be the the magic use there. And what about that downtown housing? I mean, that's a good point. Everybody is sort of talking about that. I wrote a story recently about what is going on over there behind the Staples building. What do you think of downtown housing? Is it just for young professionals? It's going to be $4,000 a studio. I mean, is that uh, sustainable? I mean, how, what kind of housing should we have downtown and for whom? Yeah, that is a a really interesting question because you have land costs that are so high and limitations of what can actually be approved as far as height and the different parking requirements and outdoor space and all the different uh, elements that go into it. So most developers can't make a pencil unless you do a very large project. So when we're talking about the Staples project that's being proposed of, I think it's 80-something units, I think that's fantastic for Santa Barbara. That will just encourage people to be to come down, and the developers will charge. Uh, you know, they need a return. So, is it going to be three to four thousand most likely? But they'll probably offer some smaller units to accommodate you know other millennials and and different income types. Yeah, and Paseo Nuevo. We talk about housing, maybe at Nordstrom. What about that Macy's side? Is that also a good spot for housing, or is that should be something else? Yeah, I, I think the more housing, the, the better. And there's a group that's been working on repositioning the Macy's building, and I think they have a lot of great concepts that they've been pretty confidential about. But there's things. I mean, let's use the wharf. Let's talk about the wharf for a second here. That is kind of a forgotten. Uh, key gem to Santa Barbara. I mean, we, there's restaurants out there in the Ty Warner Center, but look at other cities, Santa Cruz, LA. I mean, we don't have that entertainment venue on the wharf that's like, we have that. I mean, look at Balboa Island. They have the fun zone, you know, and even Lido Island in Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. But the wharf is kind you know, the tourists flock there. We need to offer something, even one thing, entertainment base that's really cool and special and unique to our town to help drive revenue. I mean, that's a, that's just sitting there. Yeah. When I hear you talking about those kinds of ideas, I can imagine people listening who've been around Santa Barbara for a long time thinking, oh no, you know, the last thing we want to do is sort of change what this special, unique place looks like, which feeds into kind of what we talked about a little bit about 
the downtown and housing. What do you think of heights, building heights? Should we be able to go higher than 60 feet? Um, you know, you, you, you can go that if it's considered a community uh, priority. How tall should we be able to go downtown? <laughs> I think different areas can support different different heights, and and you know you have to you can't just put it in a, a, a residential project that makes you know this huge skyscraper. But Santa Barbara, we we're landlocked. We have we have essentially the mountains behind us. There's kind of no growth in Goleta, and then Carpinteria. It's so we have really no choice with the limited land that we have but to go up. And I think if it's tastefully done and creative and still you know, has that Spanish character that preserves our town, I could see it being a win-win for everybody. What do you think of this idea that we need to keep Santa Barbara sort of low and slow growth and small because if we don't, people won't want to come here anymore at all. Um, there's this perception that if we change it too much, we'll lose sort of that special appeal that makes everybody want to want to live here. Is it well past time for Santa Barbara to change? I think it's time for to, do, to change in a way that still preserves Santa Barbara character. And what I mean by that is, look at State Street. Most of those buildings were built in the early 1900s. They're long, skinny, and narrow, which is really kind of the kiss of death for retail. They want wide, they want tons of frontage, and, and, and not very deep. So you have just... An obs the it, the buildings are obsolete essentially and, and needs to be changed. According, I was just reading the Newshawk and you know, Paul Casey mentioned that they're going to be running a thirty million dollar deficit for this year, twenty twenty. Yeah. So you have major major budget deficits that are going to be happening in the city. The city owns tons of real estate, and there's this is the time to to start making changes and to start getting on forward thinking for our town. What do you want those elected leaders, uh, Paul Casey, the city administrator, George Buell, those people who are going to be making decisions based off of a lot of different interests, what do you want them to know about the needs of property owners and the, the direction Santa Barbara should go from, from your perspective? If I was in their shoes and I was running the city, I, and I know that commercial real estate's a big part of it, I would be having weekly meetings with these groups, asking for advice, being open. You know, it's it's a two-way street. They have tons of gifts at the city and strengths that they, they do, but as far as commercial real estate, they really have to partner with us and listen to what we're saying because we're just as invested in it as they are. Have you seen any progress since this has happened? Are they starting to listen a little bit more to... Uh, commercial property interests or is this going to be a, a long slog here? I think it's a long slog. I think there there's talk of change, but it actually hasn't been implemented. They want to change. I don't think they really know how to do that. And if you could sort of, you know, you talked about if you were in charge of City Hall, right? What would you, how would you paint the picture of the downtown in five years, ten years from now? What would this long State Street, what would it look like? I think it would be dressed up with apartments on the top, with retail on the bottom, and just have this really quaint, really cool you know, street. Maybe it's, it's not as wide of a street. There's more sidewalks, and then the wharf kind of repositioning the wharf. And narrowing, State Street goes you know, from the beach, and it goes way, way up. It's too long. 
maybe cut it off at a shorter place as the main commercial corridor so that when tourists are coming here, they can kind of identify what, where is State Street exactly because they could just start up State Street and going, you know, so far up there it doesn't end. So I, I think that there's so much opportunity and there's very few young people that want to do this because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of older people that we see that are starting to get older in age. But what's the next generation look like? And there's not that many of them. Right. That's what I'm concerned with is I see through my peers and associates, there's a very few pool of us that want to battle with the city, want to deal with permits, take on these risks for what? So there is a, there's a need and there's a vision and I think there's energy and there's so much smart people in our town that can carry this. It just the city needs to work with us more. Well, Jason, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you can find more podcasts like this at SantaBarbaraTalks.com. And thanks to Kiva Cowork for supporting these podcasts.